All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fucking uh, uh, what? What happened? What? What happened to my brain in the middle of that? Wow, my brain just crapped out. Like my uh, my the service dropped. The call was dropped from my brain to my mouth. Huh. Okay. I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. I'm glad you're here. Reese Darby from, you know him as the manager on the flight of the Concords, is going to be talking to me today. He's got a thing on the uh, on the Netflix called Short Poppies, a series that he shot in New Zealand. I'm going to talk to him a bit about New Zealand. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. It's not even an accent. I'm just saying it like that. I think it's sort of my brain's attempt at an accent. And then once again, my brain bailing on that. My provider dropped the call between brain and mouth. Yeah, so Reese Darby in a few. Oh my God, man! I am. Uh, I'm. I'm at the end of something. You know, I, I had this dream that all my favorite jackets were lost, and I kind of knew where they were, but they were gone. I don't know what that means. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. I don't know what you, what you guys have invested in dreams means I don't have any armor left or it means that I'm cold or it means that you know maybe I need new jackets I don't know I, I don't know it's not even that great a dream but I just remember it I remember that dream oh I'm trying having a hard time breathing because I ate like a pig about an hour ago my friend Ashley it's her birthday she just told me it was her birthday she works for me a bit and uh just sprung it on me it's my birthday today all right, well, so with, there's uh, even though in my mind I was like, I'm going to go home, going to make a smoothie, going to start treating myself right. I'm like, there's only one thing to do. Let's go to Oinkster, get pastrami sandwiches, horchata shakes, and fries. Let's do that. So that's what I did after being in Phoenix all weekend. My brother's wife's uh, triplets bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. I don't know what you call it, a triple header. I do not know why my hands and feet are tingling all the time. It's not diabetes. I don't know what it is. It's not good. I don't know if it's stress. Maybe it goes along with the fact that I can't breathe sometimes. Why am I so stressed out? Why have I been eating like that? Well, because my show premiered last week. Perhaps that's it. Because maybe, you know, when you try to be a better person and you're trying not to lose your shit and you're trying not to get angry, that energy's got to go somewhere. Apparently, it wants to blow my hands and feet off and wants me to eat disgusting things because it's so fucking good. I went to In-N-Out Burger the other day and these aren't paid plugs. This is just what I did. I'm sharing it not because, like, I don't necessarily think In-N-Out's a good idea. Even if they do have weird uh, referrals to Bible quotations on their wrappers. Is that, see, that's how it would work with me if I was a Christian. If it's a Christian operation, then, uh, you know, you should eat the In-N-Out burger, go to the Bible verse, and then ask for forgiveness from yourself and from Jesus for shoving that shit into your face. Look, everything is fine, okay? The show premiered last week, and oh yeah, uh, the day of the show, the day of the show premiered, IFC, knowing that I do not drink or do drugs, uh, said, well, let's send Mark uh, a crate of ice cream. So that came in the mail. So that's where that started. Oh my God, it's really been going on a bit. Like six pints of Ben and Jerry's with some Ghirardelli uh, caramel and chocolate sauce and some Sunday cups. So believe it or not, that's what I did. I watched my premiere of my show alone eating a Sunday that I made by myself. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I can't think of a better way to watch it. And I hadn't seen it since we did the edit. And uh, I got to say, I'm pretty happy with it. And I got to say that the feedback that I've gotten about the, the first show 
was great. Do you want some backstory on the premiere of Marin season two? Complete coincidence that Sarah Silverman appeared on my show's premiere and Louis C.K.'s premiere. Bizarre coincidence. There's no way to plan that stuff, but it did happen. Uh, what do you want to know? What, you want some backstory on the episode? The episode, if you haven't watched it, I appear on The Talking Dead. A lot of people are going to you and Chris Hardwick really not get along. Me and Chris Hardwick get along fine. I don't know if you last week I also did his show Midnight. And I quite like the tension between me and Chris Hardwick on television. Uh, it was a little more intense on my show, but the comfortable sort of frenemy bit that we did on Midnight is about where it hovers. I'm okay with him most of the time. Did Conan, all I wanted to do is meet Sharon Stone. I don't really get excited about celebrities, and I had Conan walk me in because she was on the show with me. And I don't know what I was expecting from her. I didn't, Maybe an acknowledgement, maybe something Maybe some connection. I walk into her dressing room with Conan. She's got a few people there. He starts, uh, she just goes crazy to see Conan. Understandable. It's his show. He goes, this is Mark Marin." She looks at me and she goes, oh, okay. Okay, Mark. Hi, how are you? Just flattened out. All I wanted was a little juice. Just a little bit of something. A little bit of something that says that Sharon Stone might, you know, think I'm attractive or engaging or someone she might want to talk to. Maybe I just wanted to tap into her crazy for a few minutes. Just use her as a battery. How about a little charm for little Marky? No, nothing. It, it was almost as if it, it was I. It was like I'd been dismissed. So I stood there while the, her and Conan kept talking for about four seconds and realized I, I'm not even supposed to be here right now. I, I just don't have it, man. I don't have it for everybody. You know what I mean? Sharon Stone, nothing. She gave me nothing. It really didn't, nothing. Got nothing. It's okay. It was good to see her. I'm a big fan of hers, despite whatever she thinks of me. So some backstory on the Talking Dead episode of Marin. Okay. Do you want real dirt? All right. Let's see. What is there? We did shoot it on the Talking Dead set. Uh, you would think that because AMC and IFC are in the same family of networks, it would have been easy just to go over there and say, hey, you don't mind if we, we shoot some stuff here? Not so easy, but it worked out because it looked great. I was very happy with that. Michael Ian Black. How fun was that? I got two guys who I have public, publicly tense relationships beaten up on me. I will be honest with you. When I watched the edit after we'd shot that show and I watched the first edit and I realized that what we had for coverage and everything else is that I was uncomfortable with how much of a fucking beating I took from those two guys. I, I got nothing in. I, I literally had my ass handed to me in the premiere episode of my show. I was okay with it because I thought it was funny. But I, I was a little uncomfortable for me while watching that show. It's weird when people ask me, "What about? are you and Chris really okay? Yeah, we're okay until I make something weird. Are you and Michael okay? Uh, yeah, kind of until, you know, I make something weird. So it's kind of on me, but it couldn't have worked out better. Uh, what other trivia? Yes, my manager is actually a British woman with blonde hair was not thrilled at the way they were she was portrayed but i'm finding as life goes on that anybody you base a character on will be not thrilled with how they are represented i am learning that it's a tough lesson but i'm learning it if you did not see the premiere episode of my season two i believe it's available is there ifc on demand i don't know i'm sure they're running it if you have not seen any of them you can see the first season of marin on Netflix, and it is on every Thursday night for the next many Thursdays on IFC at 10 Eastern and Pacific and 9 otherwise. Watch it. I'm, it's good. I'm very proud of this show. I think it's funny. Also, my friends, let's go to my schedule, shall we? I'm going to be 
in Nashville at Zany's this Friday. Friday the 16th at 7 o'clock. I'm doing a show at Zany's in Nashville. Albuquerque, New Mexico, my hometown. It looks like that show's selling pretty well. I'll be at the National Hispanic Cultural Center on May 31st. That's a Saturday. It's a benefit for the Endorphin Power Company. Saturday, June 14th, I'll be at the 26th Annual First Annual Comedy Festival in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and uh, June 26th through 28th at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. Tickets are on sale for all these shows. Go to WTFPod.com. All right, that's my gigs. All right, those are my gigs. Uh, what is that? Why is my phone ringing? Oh, shit. I told, I told, uh, I told John Favreau to call me. I left a message for him because I saw his new movie, Chef. Maybe that's him. John Favreau, hello. How you doing, man? Hey, listen. I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Please. Uh, I watched a movie last night. Uh-huh. And I watched the whole thing. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Oh, good. What a sweet movie. Thank you. Did, uh, do you watch it and go, I made a sweet movie? I Yeah. I like, well, you know, I like food like you, and I like I like chef culture, and, you know, I I just wanted to do something that represented that culture and do something that... That I, you know, that came from the heart, and I'm really, really proud of this one. I think you did. I, I mean, uh, you, you know, there's a, the, it's. I think it must be tricky to uh, shoot food. I mean, you know, food is 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 great to look at, and uh, but I think you really you uh, you framed it properly. You made Thank it. You, you made it's, it beautiful. It's cheap, you know, compared to you got you could if you show a a, a really a well. A well caramelized pork belly. It, it, it's as exciting in many ways as a big ten million dollars CGI sequence. So. It, does, it doesn't cost as much as Iron Man. Is that what you're that's trying? Right, to, that's it, right. But I mean, but that scene where you uh, where you get angry and uh, and you lose your shit. Yeah. And your 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 recourse is to uh, to just go cook for no one. <laughs> that was like the that was a very impressive, delicious uh, fit of rage. Thank you. I was I was uh, trying to channel one of your intros. <laughs> It was that. It actually is a similar thing. Do you? But how good of a a, a cook are you? I mean, are you solid? Uh, I'm pretty solid now. You know, I definitely learned. They uh, Roy Choi, uh, who's a chef that started the whole food truck movement out here with the Kogi truck. Uh, he was our. You know, he trained me and he sent me off to culinary school and then and then he let me work in his kitchens and and by the by the end I was working the line. You know, I was I was doing full shifts on the as a line cook. It's that is a that's an intense gig, man. I couldn't I couldn't hack the line. I was a, a short order cook in college, and then I went and worked at a regular restaurant on the line, and I didn't have chops, and I never felt so ashamed and and like such a fuck up in my life. It is it is quite an intense set of circumstances. I had bartender, but that's different. But you know, I think when you're older, you you embrace these things more. I, yeah. I don't think I could have done it younger. But I mean, working on the line, I mean, it's you know, it's got to work in sync. It's like a band. And if you're the guy yeah. at the frogging station and you botch a thing of onion rings, you know, you're going to hold up everybody. No, everybody. And they're not, and unlike a band, they could yell fuck you in your face uh, right yeah. and, <laughs> and then, while you're doing it. That's right. And then you go fuck you and then the manager goes, all right, who, take a walk. Let's take a walk. <laughs> yeah, the restaurant, I, I, I've, I've only known crazy chefs and I think you handled that. Uh, the emotions of it very well. Now let me let me ask you. So you got Dustin Hoffman in there as a restaurant owner. How, yes. I mean, I, I obviously everyone knows that you know your buddies with uh, with Robert Downey, and that explains how he's in there. But and all of a sudden Dustin Hoffman walks out, and I, of course I'm like, holy shit, that's Dustin Hoffman right there. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> like I imagine you must have said that the first time you did. Scenes. I did. I did. You know what really got me is he read the script and he was like, he starts. I thought he was going to talk about food or about my movies, and he starts talking about Kramer versus Kramer. Uh huh. 
I'm like, oh my God, yeah, because Kramer vs. I mean, the the core story of this film is it's about a dude who's divorced, right? Who's who's not given any attention to his family or balanced his life in any way, and he's divorced. He's got a ten year old boy, and then he has to spend time with the boy and reconnect with him. And that was the whole that was the whole through line of Kramer vs. Kramer. I went back and watched that movie again and rewrote rewrote my film. You rewrote it? <laughs> I did. I did. A, I, did a, I did. A, I did a rewrite. I did. You know, you do a. You'll do like a polish on different relationships or different characters. That what, really made me examine the father-son relationship in, with greater detail. What 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 in Kramer versus Kramer triggered the re-exam? I mean, outside the whole movie, what did you think you did not get right? I liked the subtlety. Remember, the seventies a lot different than now as far as the way studios and script notes get in, uh-huh. and it was a very subtle relationship. He wasn't a terrible dad in it. Right. There's just moments that are real, and the moments that are uncomfortable are really uncomfortable, and the resolution is really sweet and not overstated. He can't cook for the kid in the beginning, and there's cooking in it, too. He can't cook for the kid. He has shells in the French toast. Mm -hmm. There's a whole run-in with the kid eating the ice cream in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the way they show resolution is they cook breakfast together and read the paper. And to me, that's like in Big Night. You know, that was like what an independent film has to do now, what a studio film used to do then. And, And it was... I just let that inform the relationship because I thought it was so moving when I had seen it originally. Well, I think that's interesting what you say, that it, that the nature of independent film at a different time, maybe even 10 years ago, was, was you know, an art film that, that could not, uh, you know, service uh, the, the larger audience like a larger movie. Like there, I would say that the assumption about independent film at another time was that you wouldn't get a happy ending. You'd be challenged. Right. Uh, it may be a little rough around the edges, and, and that was the nature of it. But I think what you're saying is interesting in that, you know, this is a sweet movie that, that, that is emotionally pleasing, that, that takes you on a journey that doesn't punch you in the face or make you wonder why you're alive necessarily. No, but it also shows things without overstating them and leaving some ambiguity in right. certain relationships. But that used to be what studio movies were. In the right. 70s, that's that right. was a studio movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is 20 that, years ago, that was, that was indie. Now it's a cable show. Right. Now it's not even an indie anymore. <laughs> so it's like, this is a bit of a dinosaur, uh, but it, it's so nice to go to a theater, though, and share that experience with people. You don't get that. You get great television. But unless you're on Twitter, you're not sharing any sort of common experience. Unless you, well, maybe one other person, but certainly not a bunch of strangers. I mean, you can no, you can yeah. do that at home, but it's not. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, <laughs> have a busload of strangers come over and watch a movie with you. But you had a great cast. I mean, you know, Scarlett Johansson's in it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., who was great. And you know, I like that you use these guys for five minutes. You know, it's a, it's re- it's refreshing to have tight scenes with guys that that are that have an amazing amount of intensity and 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 talent. It, it, yeah, thank it's, you. It's a treat, man. It's it's sort of like it's like cooking, you know. Yeah. It's like you want it. You don't want to use too much. It's use strong flavors, uh, uh, yeah. d- delicately. Yeah, and, and it was just um, and everybody. It's all on story too, and it's just. And I, it was just so. I mean, hopefully you got some of the fun that we had making it as you watch it. But it really was. Uh, it's like going off and just doing like a surprise acoustic set at a small club. You know, that's what it felt like. No, I like I, I like that analogy. So how long did it take you to make this? I know when we talked here in the garage the first time, I think I think you had mentioned that you were working on it. Yeah. But I mean, what? How, it, this is a passion project, I guess you would call it. But I mean, how long did it really take for it to come together? I wrote it uh, in January, I think. Yeah. Pretty, pretty quickly, because I haven't written something this fast since like Swingers. Mm-hmm. Because it was... It's about things in my life that I can relate to. It's about critics. It's about the creative process. It's about family. Then I rewrote it after I started working with Roy, and we shot it in like a month. 
Uh, it took about a month to shoot. So it was the same, essentially the same schedule as Swingers was. It also deals with that generational thing about about Twitter, about social networking, and about yeah. like the stubbornness of a creative person, which I, I had when you know when I started the podcast. It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not really that guy. And the way you enter that world is that that whole uh, the the whole meltdown on Twitter that leads to the uh, to the other meltdown. It, you, I mean, I relate to that. I do that once or twice a week. Not the public. Everybody one. does. I mean, that's our generation. Yeah. My kids won't have that problem. They they have a healthy respect as does the kid in the movie. Yeah. But I also think there's it offers um you know there's the dark side which we show first. But really, the thing that allows a guy to open a food truck, a thing that allows you to do your podcast, it's all the same thing. It's the ability to narrow cast to a specific audience that you could passionately and sincerely speak to. You don't require late night talk show ratings. That's People right. can find your thing when they do. I listen to it all the time, and it's because it's it's a leisurely experience where you seek out the things that you want and you're not forced to get the entire audience at the same time. And that's the result of social media. So the technology, which is his undoing, is his, is his salvation as well. Well, I, and also, like you mentioned before, I think it's great that, that, that food, you know, as, as beautiful as it is and how relatable that is, that you can really uh, you, you confront the struggle of a creative person. I mean, the, 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 the way that you interacted with the food critic in the restaurant, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that in any creative position? Like, I think it's a very accessible portal into the creative personality. And and I th- and I was it, it's nice because I really felt that you were it, maybe I'm wrong but I mean you're a very sweet guy and I think you brought a lot of yourself to this thing because you could have tipped it into asshole land. I mean I I don't think it was probably necessarily a difficult balance for you as an actor or as a person but but you know there you could have it, it was it must have been dicey to 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 not push the self pity or the anger into a non sympathetic place. I don't think you well, would have. You know what had- they say? There's a little asshole in everyone. Yeah, I have a lot. I have a lot. I have more than most people. I was, gi- I was gifted with a little more than most people. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, but the, what's so fun, though, is when you lose it, it usually is a, a tell, you know, what, you know, first guy raises his voice, loses the argument. And especially in the case of this movie, when you're when you have to scream in somebody's face, you're not getting to me. It, oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's yeah. just so absurd. You're usually more mad at yourself. Paralyzing insecurity. That's what it is. And that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that with comics and with, with filmmakers and yeah. with chefs, I find a common through line is they are beyond reproach when it comes to getting notes or ideas or thoughts or having somebody else, especially management, shape their vision. And the, and the, and the, the sad thing is, is you knew he was right. I that, knew he was right. I mean, that that was the interesting thing about that part of the movie is, and when you were when you were blowing up, it's like I'm like, what, is he going to cop to it? And but you can't, not in that moment, because it's too emotional. No, he doesn't realize it because it's it's admitting that he's he, that all these little terrible decisions that he's made over the course of his 47 years, yeah, it has added up to this malaise that's just. He doesn't understand why it, nothing's working, why he's not happy. He has everything he thought he wanted. And that's kind of the myth of our generation, of our age group, is you, how did I get here? It's like the Talking Heads song. Sure, sure. You know what I liked about the whole thing is that right from the beginning, the relationship between you and your ex-wife is 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 pained and sweet. There was yeah. There's not this tension, because that would have added another level of difficulty to the narrative, that she's obviously supportive and wants the best for you, and you don't really go into whatever that will happen between you two, but there's a lot of love there, and I think that's a, a nice way to, to approach that. It doesn't clutter up the story. 
I think it's, I think, you know, again, I tried to really show things in a real way and all the things that would have been the studio note to change, which was, you know, draw a finer point to that or make it clearer why they're not together or show them upset or break the relationship more. I, I just avoided. That's not what I've experienced. I'm a kid from a divorce. My folks got along really well. And it makes it sadder in a way because you just don't understand why they're not together. Yeah, it pulls at you. And the kid was great. I don't want to. I don't want to give. I don't want to not mention him. What's his yeah, name? MJ Anthony. He was great. great. Kid, yeah. ten year old playing a ten year old, which is rare. Yeah, it was nice, man. And and you shot the cities beautifully. You know, Austin. Uh, you were in New Orleans. You know, you were in uh, Miami. Little, little Havana. We spent yeah. some time in too. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And congratulations on it. And it's open now, right? Uh, yeah, it's 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 open in New York and L.A. and then it's going to be hitting other cities uh, in the following weeks. So well, thank you for your support and yeah, and uh, and uh, and thanks for having me on again. I, I'm a uh, love listening and uh, uh, honored to be on the, on your show. And uh, yeah, and congratulations, man! It's it, it's really a sweet movie. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. Bye. See, isn't that nice to have a friend of the show like John Favreau? I think so. Let's talk to this fella. I've never have I talked to anyone from New Zealand before? Let's talk to Reese Darby. Reese. Is that a family name? It's just, How's that? It's just uh it's it's Welsh. So it's the same as Reese Witherspoon, but it's just different spelling. Welsh. Yeah, so it's yeah. Do you are you are you like, so you're, are you Welsh? Well, there's a bit of background there. Yeah. Um ancestry, you know, goes back. Um, certainly there's certainly some relatives in Wales, uh, on, on one side of the family. Yeah. Have you visited him? No. I think, um, my sister may have. Yeah? Yeah, I come from a big family and- <laughs> do, do you know your sister? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. How big a family? They're so much older than me. I'm like the baby. Oh, okay. I'm like okay. nine year gap between, yeah. between the next one, which is my brother. Nine years? Nine years. Were you an accident? Oh, it must have been. Must have been a- really, <laughs> yeah. it was, I guess know, we're having it. Yeah. And yeah. Then, the, then the parents just split after me. They and, did? Yeah. They were done. It was all, it was all over. <laughs> So it's a, it's a mess. So they, they kept trying, though. Wow, I don't know what happened. But, uh, so I've been... but, but you grew up in New Zealand. That's where you're from. Yeah. What? See, I don't know. Okay, so I, you know, like Welsh to New Zealand. I don't know. Here's the interesting thing. Yeah, I, I know. I think it's going to be helpful to people mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. with the with the new series Short Poppies that. You will know, we'll get a, a sort of window into New Zealand because I don't fucking know. Yeah, I know they shot the Hobbit there. It looks yeah. pretty. I mm-hmm. hear there's there. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anything that you know, people, you got to go to New Zealand. Why? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I don't fucking know how you live. What yeah. is, what's go, what's going on down there? Well, you know the the the, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, that really sort of sort of put uh, put the wrong perception into people's minds. <laughs> Did it? Uh, well, because yeah. a lot of it is is like that yeah you know but we don't have obviously the monsters and you know the crazy wizards oh and no you know? well there's a few there's a there was there's one wizard yeah. i'm not even sure if he's still working he's <laughs> in christchurch <laughs> and uh actually i think he's moved on now <laughs> yeah but um yeah i kind of i guess you know, people it's a, it's a, because of the lord of the rings the hobbit whatever it's sort of brought this kind of uh, mysterious kind of uh, mythological feel yeah. to the country, right? So when you think of it, you do think of the beautiful uh, mountains and gullies and, yeah. the, and the forests, and you and you then you think, okay, so what? What? Are, how many people are there? And yeah. everyone knows there's like very few people. Yeah. So that we've got four million. You yeah. Know, and we, for the uh, whole country. Yeah, that's the whole country. 
But that's pretty new. Like it was only seemed like last year we had three million. So, um, so the Lord of the Rings is working. It's yeah, words people. getting out. People are coming over, but there's still plenty of room. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. a lot of forest <laughs> and beaches and things. And it's it's two it's two two islands and a tiny tiny island at the bottom, which you hardly notice. It's called Stewart Island. One Does anyone island. go there? Yeah, there's there's a few people living there. I'm going yeah. there for the first time this year to just, do what? Just to sit, just to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> What was, what's it known for? What is? Um, I think um, well, down the bottom of the South Island because yeah. there's two two major islands: yeah. the North one and the South one. Yeah, and the South Island, the bottom of there, were very well known for the uh, bluff oysters, which is their our uh, shellfish. Yeah. Big, biggest oysters you get. Um, best oysters on the on the planet. These are indigenous oysters, not farmed or no. These are indigenous. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. and. Uh, and then you've got the island called Stewart Island. Yeah. Where do the mussels come from? The green mussels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, all over. All over the coast of New Zealand. Everywhere. Just green mussels yeah. everywhere. Big mussels everywhere. <laughs> really big ones. Yeah. We've got yeah. great, great shellfish. Um, so, yeah. And I kind of, th- I guess we all live in little, and you know, it's, 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 it's a, like a modern world. You oh, know, yeah. it's like this. Yeah. We have microphones and, and things. <laughs> Um, we live in houses. Yeah, houses. Um, we have small. We have villages. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like a real world, but yeah. smaller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I th- but it is a weird perception that, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, and I'm not, you know, necessarily, I'm not stupid, mm. but I may be ignorant. I mean, I've been to Australia, yeah, and then you go to Australia, and they're like, hey, you got to go to New Zealand. I'm like, oh my god, mm. where's that? Yeah, well, how how much different is that? Was it was it worth the extra? <laughs> Three hours or whatever, and you know it is because it's it is different. Um, it's it's uh, yeah. You know the funny thing about New Zealand is we um, it was only ever inhabited by birds, bird life. Yeah, for for you know no thousands of years. No just birds. No indigenous people. No, no, no. not at, not at the beginning. Just birds. Yeah, and then um, and uh, no mammals. Yeah, like the only mammal was a fruit bat. Right. Which is, you know, technically a so, bird. So, so. <laughs> right. So there's an overrun with birds. Yeah, it was overrun with birds. And then, and then, and then uh, man arrived. And, In what uh, form? Uh, bi- bipedal. Okay. <laughs> Human upright. Uh, and there's some theories about, you know, the first indigenous people that maybe the Moriori. You yeah. might have heard of that Sure, term. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then the Maori. Yeah, the are, Maori I heard of. The Maori of. you've yeah. heard of. Yeah, there's the one before them, Moriori. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, um, you know, there's a lot of theories about them. Were, were they there first? Whatever. Where they come from? On a yeah, boat? Where did they come from? Sure. Uh, they ended up on uh, Chatham Island, now, yeah. I believe, which is off the uh, off the uh, east coast of New Zealand. They got chased there by the Maori. Right, the Maori right. people, uh, very strong, very warrior nation. Are they still in New Zealand, the, the Maori? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. They're our indigenous people. Do, are our... they treated well there, or they, oh, yeah. they have a bad neighborhood, or what, no, how does it, was, it work? Well, it's sort of uh, yeah. There was there was some wars sure. when the British arrived. Sure. It was twenty uh, five years of war. British like to either train or get rid of brown people. Yeah, yeah. yeah move yeah. them on, or you know, <laughs> and they when they when they saw these ones, I thought, hey, we've got got, a, got our hands full here. <laughs> Look, they've got spears and all sorts. They've got forts. Yeah. They, you know, the yeah. Maori they invented trench warfare. The Did Maori, they? yeah. Wow. So the, so they fought. They had these trenches, and they would you know. Hide under, hide inside. So them. that's where the British got it. They, that's they, where gave, they stole it off the yeah, Maori. They, yeah, the, the, the Maori gave us the trench warfare. That's for, right. Oh my god! You learned that today. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they had to 
so they'll be used to, well, I guess before then, it would have been the Aborigine in Australia, which completely different type of people. Yeah. Very, very peaceful. Uh, you know, they just sort of moved them on, didn't they? Sort of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Push wipe, them further out of yeah, the desert. Wipe them out or yeah. move them on. That's you know? right. Thank you. We'll have all this, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so they obviously, they probably thought, oh, we'll do the same over here with the, oh, some different brown ones, these ones. Look. Um, <laughs> but these ones called the Maori, they had the facial tattoos. Yeah. Very scary. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, wait, well, we'll back it up. Back it up. We're gonna to have to return with some guns here, <laughs> and so they, you know, so they actually tried some, uh, some, some sort of uh, bargaining. Uh-huh, you know, if uh-huh. we'll, we'll give you some muskets if yeah. you give us, you know, this, this, this beach. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> your country. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. And so <laughs> yeah. there, there, there was a bit of toing and froing there, and then twenty-five years of war. Uh, and which ended in a, uh, a stalemate, uh-huh. which they said the British didn't win. So it was ended up in a treaty uh-huh. where they divided. Uh, but really, the, the British then sort of tricked them yeah. uh, and ended up, you know, getting a lot of their land. And, and this, this is called the Treaty of Waitangi. And uh, so that's where we're at. And then now, uh, New Zealanders in general are just account account for everyone that lives there. So it's gotten so, better. Yeah, it's gotten yeah, better. A little more integrated. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we've got a lot of Asian community now as well. Um, Asians and- are, are, are uh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, so that's no big surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of amazing, though. You know, especially yeah. like when you go, like, because like here I don't notice as much, but if I go to Canada, mm-hmm. like there are some areas where the huge populations of oh, Asian people, yeah. and they change the, uh, they, it makes a lot more uh, uh, different food available. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> good good sushi. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but yeah, we've very much embraced the uh, Asian culture in New Zealand, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's uh, where we are on the globe. Where did your family come from? Because it's always like I know you, I hear stories about Australia and that you know they, it was like uh, people who were prisoners or pushed out. Oh, of, yeah. I don't know what the real history is. I speculate. Mm. I like bits and pieces. Yeah, you're not a historian. I'm not expecting no. you to give me the the, the real story, <laughs> but I like your version of it. Yeah. How did your people end up in New Zealand? Well, see, New Zealand the uh, they arrived uh, basically um, people who wanted a different life. So yeah. it wasn't Australia was the uh, the convicts. Uh, but the people who came from England to travel all the way, like six months in a boat to get to New Zealand, really to uh, set up a new life, uh, rural farmers and people who... Desperate uh, people. So, so, <laughs> so oh, well, it couldn't be too desperate to... They had enough of, of Manchester and Liverpool and, and what was going on there. There's yeah. got to be a better life than this. Yeah. So yeah. off they went and they set up camp in this new world. That must and, have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, just think of it. It's so to show amazing. up in New Zealand before it was yeah. really populated. To, Birds to everywhere. Say, to say, but beach. Yeah, you know, beautiful and, beaches. And wizards. Yeah, and the monsters. old wizard, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. A few, few cave-dwelling trolls. <laughs> but really, you know, just just what the adventure yeah. that comes with that. I, I, don't, you know? I can't imagine that. As, as a modern person, can you imagine being on a boat for fucking six months that no. doesn't have like... You know, you know, conveniences. The closest thing, exactly. The closest thing is like when you think of Star Trek and how they just are going through space, you know, forever and looking for new worlds. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we did yeah. here yeah. back in those days. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm really envious of that. But of course, only because of the idea of it, but the reality of it, of course, you know, they all got sick and half of them died and they didn't make it. Horrible. And, uh, Horrible. you know, throw them overboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they set up our, our, our world as it is now. How many generations has your family been there? Um, Oh, it probably goes back three, maybe four generations. Yeah, I guess. 1800s. I mean, New Zealand's yeah, New Zealand's pretty pretty young country. So, so most of the diet, most of the cuisine there is like British influence. 
Uh, yeah, well, a lot of it is seafood. We've kind of got our own thing. Yeah. Um, big on the seafood, you know, crayfish, fish, yeah. uh, so, shellfish. So fresh too, right? Yeah. Let's oh, just talk just about there. food. Let's just, just talk about food. You just reach out from your car <laughs> as you're driving along the coast. And put your hand yeah, in the put water. put your hand out, scoop up, you know, a, a small dolphin, whatever you want, and just chuck it in the boot. <laughs> Uh, that's the trunk for you Americans. Yeah, yeah. and then go home and grill it. Cook it out. Go home and want. grill it. No probs. You know that's one of our sayings. <laughs> no probs. Barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> oh fucking! It's amazing. It's a bit of a paradise, you know. To be honest with you, that's why people uh, go there, and it's a long way away. It's yeah. one of those places where it's you couldn't get any further. Yeah. You know, next stop is Antarctica, and it's quiet though, right? It's quiet. Um, you know, it's, that, like on some level, and I've said this about Australia to to some you know to different responses, but. No one really gives a shit about New Zealand, right? Mm. In the, in the sense that, like, you're not going to get caught in the middle of anything. No, like oh, if you, no. like you know, there's no like there's no pressing no. political urgency. There's no, so it's like it must be really peaceful. Yeah, it is. We, you know, we try to. I, I guess, didn't mean to be rude. If you no, no, that's no, that's good. That's how we want it. You know, we. <laughs> I, well, I look back at my home as as a village, as yeah. a, as a you know peace loving village. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but we like to have our stamp on the world. We have our say. You know, and some of that is sometimes it's in the muscles. It's in, uh, a, in the in the in the shellfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but what well, I like to I like to make a stand in comedy. Yes. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, we might come from this place, you know, next stop Antarctica, but look, we 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 can make the funny. Well, what is it? Well, yeah, but what is it? it, it because you know, I've watched him in your standup. I've seen you on Fly of the Concords, and you know, I'm I'm hip to the new series. And I've seen you in movies, and you know, no one here. I didn't know you as a stand-up, mm. but it, like then again, I like I'm like I'm stupidly American in the sense that I don't know a lot of the British stand-ups. Mm. You know, I know some Australian stand-ups because I've been there. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, we look at that form stand-up sort of started here, yeah. and then kind of spread out. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's a comedy scene in New Zealand. Yeah, there's it's, it's, it's small. <laughs> right. Well, what did you do before you did but comedy? Yeah. When do like, well, what, what, like what? How many brothers and sisters do you really have? I got one brother, three sisters. All right, so pretty big family. Mm-hmm. What, what business was your father in? Uh, he was a carpenter. Really? Yeah. What did he build? Uh, houses. Do you know how to build shit? No. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I didn't. I, <laughs> I lost. Didn't get that Can gene. He, how about uh, the cabinets? I'm he, good with Legos. Legos. Good. Yeah, it's a little easier. Yeah, there's not a lot of measuring. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, did he do cabinets too? Doors? Uh, my dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he could do it all. That's fucking You know, amazing. those things you put pot plants in? Yeah. Uh, pot plant holders? <laughs> the, the, uh, what are they called? The, uh, beds. <laughs> Flower beds. It, it, troughs for the sheep. Really? Yeah. Uh, don't you envy that? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I was better with my hands. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. but... Uh, but it's it's not my thing. That must know. have been a good business though in New Zealand because people had to build their forts and yeah. their villages. And it's still happening. Yeah. You know, I mean, after the quake in Christchurch, you yeah. know, there's so much rebuilding being How required bad was that? there. Oh, really bad. Oh my God. You got so yeah. that so that, that sort of throws a that, wrench into the whole world of peace thing. Well, yeah, the whole there yeah, the place got shake shaken up, shook up. Were you, uh, have you been in a quake a of, couple? Have, oh, the, the quakes are pretty um uh, common in New Zealand, we're on a fault line. It's a bit like LA. Yeah, we had three last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, when, so for you, you're like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I still, still worry. I mean, it's still a shock. It's like, oh, here we go. But uh, yeah, that, that can be, <laughs> it can be devastating. And yeah. that's that's the thing is you just don't know, and you've got to be ready. You got to be ready, everyone. Yeah, just be prepared. Even though yeah. it sounds stupid, getting some, you know, your preparation. It's not. You got to do it because it's one of those things. You just, I don't know how we ended up talking about this. 
but uh, what do you have to be ready? Because I'm concerned about it. Because like I like I have a flashlight. Yeah, I've got a few bottles of water. Uh-huh. Like I have one less because I gave you one. Oh, okay. And, but I got well. Probably, replace that one. Yeah, replace that one. So I got water and I've yeah. got a uh, got a flashlight. Tinned food. Uh, tinned. A couple of tinned foods. Yeah, because Maybe nothing's going to work. You know, all the uh, all your powers out. Yeah. Uh, you and can't heat anything up. Right, and the food's going to be rotting in supermarkets. Uh-huh. So you really have to have a... And you probably have to have something to barricade yourself in for when the looting starts, depending on how long anything's going to go on for. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, 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 that's an American thing, isn't it? Oh, let's loot! Yeah. Looting? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not that. Free invitation. Why, it's easier. Grab some TVs. Yeah. You can't plug them in. Yeah. Just grab them. When the power comes on, we'll be sorted. Well, we have a certain amount of anonymity here. And apparently yeah. in New Zealand, if there's looting, you're like, oh, there's John. Mm. You know, like you can't. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows each other, sort of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know what you stole, John. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we I saw you. <laughs> exactly. But what do you. And I'm you're sorry. a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Where's the morality? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what did you grow up doing? I mean, you, you like, it was in normal high school. Yeah. You listened to what ACDC music or what um, rock bands and yeah, things? yeah, pretty pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, um, well, not really. Yeah, I mean, I I was in the uh, air training corps. Really? Yes. You flew planes? Uh, I flew some gliders. Gliders. I learned. Uh, I, I was good at so learned- combat gliders. No, no, peaceful ones. Peaceful gliders. Well, I would hope that all gliders are peaceful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They look so beautiful and peaceful. And then there's underneath, there's, underneath mean, the fl- wings, there's some missiles. In the glider. Just some small you just, ones. you got to launch yeah. them before you just naturally trickle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. drift to the ground. Drift off. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? You got you got pulled by a plane and then cut loose? Yeah, and- pulled up uh, by a plane and, then, and then cut fun. loose and then away you go. That's amazing. And... Um, what was that training for? What what practical use is that? Well, I early early ambitions to to be a, a jet fighter pilot. Oh yeah. Um, but then they, they, those hopes and dreams were dashed when I failed miserably at the uh, physics. Uh, so you know, who would the, have thought the math, the math and the physics? So I'm not the, my head's not around that kind of thing. And for some reason, you need to uh, work out that sort of crap. You need to know the, to the sort of a. To work out where your altitude and yeah, the, the, the I, I, I don't even know how to talk. I can't even throw words around. I know. I would have thought physics. the dials do all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like get me up. I'm steering. Get me up. I'm steering it. You know, I'm going to push the landing button. You know, I can see. You know, I'm dodging clouds. What's the problem here? Why do I need math? <laughs> yeah, I've got to calculate a watch. You know, if anything need be, I'll put it. I'll punch it in. And there's another guy in the plane with me. Yeah, he's the math guy. <laughs> the nerdy guy behind me. He he knows. The altitude and the, and the flaps situation. That's don't his you? job. I'm the guy who gets to fly yeah. it. Oh, so I just I just wanted the glory. You know, yeah. I wanted the sunglasses and the hat. Right? Was it was it heartbreaking? Really? No. I mean, I but I I did I definitely it was around that kind of Top Gun time. And uh, did but, you did your time in the service though? Was that so? Well, that wasn't the Air Force. That yeah. was that was just as a cadet. That was oh, okay. while I was still at school. And then when I realised, you know. The fighter pilot wasn't for me. Um, I, I switched to the army, so then I did some soldiering. And you enlisted? I, yeah, I, I I joined up with the uh, New Zealand Army, uh-huh. and I uh, did like four years as a signaller. Really? Yeah. What's a signaller do? So radios. Uh huh. So um, Morse code, telecommunications. Uh-huh. Yeah. Putting up antennas. Oh yeah. That sort of thing. Driving around in Land Rovers. Did you see a lot of action in New Zealand? Uh well, I, you know, no. No, there was well, there was a lot of training. So we we learned, we drove around. We had fun. Like I was like seventeen, eighteen, yeah, yeah. and just you know, you know, just really. I after I left, I realised you know, four years in, you know, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna see any, any action. I, I thought we might go overseas, and 
Um, but really, I realized at that point, look, I don't really want to do this. This yeah. is not me. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to pretend I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I was. That's what I was getting confused with myself. I wanted to be an actor playing a soldier, you know, fighting in a battle and 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 you know, rescuing POWs and stuff. I don't sure. want to do it for real. Right. And so, and also as an actor now, you have like uh, almost a method. The ability to you can really do Morse code. I can. Yeah. That, that, that do you put that on your resume as uh, other skills? Yeah. When I go Mor- in for auditions and you got to hand your resume in. <laughs> other skills. Morse code. Well, I see you got Morse code here. That's right. Okay. Now we're looking for now this this part is just for wacky neighbour. Okay, but your more your Morse code. Yeah, that might come in. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Did you shoot guns? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fired lots of different weapons, rocket launchers, grenades. Rocket launcher. Yeah. That must have been a rush. Blew up a uh, a V-dub. Yeah. With a rocket launcher. That was pretty cool. By accident or that was the target? No, that was the target. Yeah. Yeah. It was out there. It was like about... about uh, about a mile away, really, and you could you, you got your scope, you got the sights on the thing, and you got a big rocket launcher on your shoulder, and then you just pull the trigger and wait. Just yeah, this <laughs> big big cylinder on your on your shoulder, yeah. and then <laughs> and you look you're looking, you can't believe what you've done, you know, and you see this thing. <laughs> Have I done that? And then <laughs> and the whole thing blow up, you know. Big, big explosion, and then you sort of look around at your mates, and uh, you feel like a man. Yeah, you feel like, yeah. oh, god damn, I get used to this. Yeah. And yeah. I was shortly after that, I thought, oh, man, I don't think I should be doing this. Yeah, no, yeah. This isn't in the right hands, <laughs> you know. I was very lucky that that uh, was, was aimed correctly. And that it was empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it becomes a whole different game when there's people involved. So what did you start to, uh, so you got out of the Army, and you went to college, or what? Yeah, yeah. Went to university. What did you study um, over there? So I, then I did uh, a bit of philosophy. Uh, really? Sociology. Really? And art theory. Art theory. That Yeah, so, I've done some of that. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, Phil, you know, you built your brain. Mm, exactly. You wanted to look at things and yeah. understand things. You understand people. You understand bullshit. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. So I just really set myself up for a, being a stand-up. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. I think the the art uh, the art theory one's a little a little dicey. Yeah, but like it's hard to really get uh, regular people to get interested in that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Looking at these two pictures, you know, were the Flemish actually painting, or were they working from a a reproduction through a lens because camera obscuras mm. were popular at the time? So what's the credibility of this? Yeah, yeah. I lost the audience. <laughs> then again, <laughs> they've wandered off. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> no, you, this is important. What about this? Oh, come back in! Hey, hey, he's doing more. He's doing more. <laughs> Wait for a beat, and then you take a beat, and then hit the couple. That'd be funny to do. Actually, do a joke in uh, in Morse code. Well, yeah, I mean, I, have you I, done it? Well, I, I've kind of, I've got I'm, my new my new stand up show. I'm working on. I'm doing some Morse in there. I mean, it's all very well, you know. I could do a joke in Morse, but there's no point because yeah. no one else knows it, and and you know, I could be beeping anything. That's right. And the worst thing about Morse is that it takes so long to get through a word because every letter is it's, like. Next letter. Do, 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 do. Why is you know? it still used, do you think? Well, it's not. Oh. It's not. It's dead. It's dead. But it's a dead art. It's still there. It's, it's a dead it's, art. Like, it's like Latin. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a dead language yeah. that uh, There's some, there some intellectuals are, use. Yeah, they're just holding on to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Believe in the Morris communication. Yeah, bring it back. So, all right, so you go to college for that stuff. What was the plan there? Uh, well, I think probably no plan. I th- oh, The plan was... To finish, get a degree and then do journalism because that was a p- postgraduate course. So right. I, I wanted to, I thought, like, I'd get, I'd 
be a journalist. But like art theory, did you love art? So yeah, I, I'm good at art. I like art. I like talking about. Do you paint art? Um, not much. I I draw. Yeah. I ske- sketch. Yeah. And what like who were your favorite artists? Like what? Uh, uh, what? Van Gogh. Yeah. And ooh, all the classics. You know, Picasso. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you just learn art theory. Like it's like so you read a lot of art criticism. Yeah, well, for me, the big thing was what's the difference between art and craft. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, right, how do right. you how do you even say uh, what art is? Mm-hmm. And because you know, this is art. Oh, is it? And then and how do you prove that? Right. Where anything can be art, and and, and the you know no no it can't. You know, right. certain things aren't art. For, to enable, for something to be art, it has to. Um, uh, the art community, the art world, mm-hmm. have to agree that it is. So, right. And then you have to be in the art world. So this is this elitist kind of thing with artists. It absolutely is. You know, it really yeah, is. And it's between artists and the wealthy. Yeah, right. You have to have the patrons to yeah. purchase the thing for a lot of money that sets a standard. Yeah. But I think the that's interesting. The, the deal between art and craft is that any idiot can throw some paint on a canvas. That's always been the argument with modern right. art. Yeah. Is that like, an, like someone who's ignorant mm. can look at a piece of modern art done by a genius and go, like that's garbage yeah, and they yeah, can yeah. look at a piece of modern art by someone who doesn't know what they're doing and not see any difference between the two yeah. and the difference is well that guy paid his dues mm-hmm. and if you look at his old stuff he could paint the shit out of something yeah, exactly. and now he's taken it a different place because he's got the skill yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right so that's the whole thing, and then there's a bit of confusion over, you know, who's in the art world. Are we all in it or not? I mean, how, you know, no, apparently we're not. Right. It's only the artists that are. Sure. So the artists that the rich people decide. Yeah. Are the rich people and the critics. Yeah. Come together to make a decision. Yeah. And that's and that's what sets history going. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we solved that. So you're, <laughs> you're pretty good at that. You did all right in that area. Yeah, I did okay. I did okay. <laughs> So you didn't do the journalism thing. You didn't go the, all the way. No, through. in the end, I mean, what, what, this is this is where comedy really came in for me. When I was at university, I joined the comedy club, which is like a social club mm-hmm. of you know like-minded uh, fools yeah. that meet once a week and write sketches. And you know, and I sort of you know thought, oh well, I, you know, I'm quite funny, and uh, everyone's always laughed at me at school. <laughs> Maybe this is for me. So I joined up with that. And as uh, who was in it. Um, anybody that uh, that that eventually surfaced in the com- com- comedy world? No, no, just me. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a few others. There's uh, Guy Roberts. He'll like to be mentioned. He's uh, he ended up writing on uh, short poppies. Actually, you pulled him back yeah, in. Yeah, pulled him back in after all these years. He nice. was the guy that uh, he he was the president of the comedy club, and he he uh, he signed me up. When really? I was a student. And he's he's been within the show business in, uh, in New Zealand he's, anyways? Or well, where? he's done bits of writing here and there. Uh-huh. Uh, he's very, you know, he's he's one of these like classic writer, really, really funny, you know, but then just um, can't be, can't just can't get to the next level, you know, <laughs> and you, so so I, I thought, well, look, you know, I want to Did he to leave work. New Zealand? No. It's hard to get yeah. to the next level. <laughs> if you don't leave the village. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But his stuff about driftwood and, yeah, um, and his, great his speeches and yeah, yeah, uh, early yeah. Maori warfare. It's not, it wasn't funny, but it was, it was insightful. So, um, yeah, yeah so there's, there's a few other guys uh, that were in there that, that um, you know, have, that still do comedy today. Uh, so that's, that's great. So were you were there, like, would you say you were there at the at the beginning of the New Zealand comedy explosion? Yes, I think so. Were you one of the uh, the the godfathers of the New Zealand comedy um, explosion? I think I uh, probably one of the uh, one of the uncles. Uh huh. Yeah, but were the, there guys the, like so? You were a couple of older than me that had been around longer. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Who who were they? <clears throat> uh, Mike King. Yeah. 
and Andrew Clay. Uh-huh. Uh, Ewan Gilmore. These were stand-ups. This, yep, stand-ups. Uh, Brendan Lovegrove. And they were around, what, in the 80s? So, no, no, no. No, nothing was happening till about 90, 90 uh, 95, isn't that, isn't that wild? Yeah. So were there, but when when you were like uh, 20 or whenever you were in the comedy club, were there two, because I know there are gigs in New Zealand because mm-hmm. I was asked to do them and, and I, I, I should have when I was in Australia, but were there touring comics? Because I the weird thing that, that I that I realized is that you know stand up comedy is really this weird American thing, and for years, you know, there was a dominance of it. You you'd get American touring comics yeah. that would go you know do international shows, mm-hmm. and you get you'd get to see that. And then at some point, every country now has yeah. an indigenous comedy scene. Yeah, and like the Americans are like, yeah, we we got it. We know how to do it now. We yeah, got yeah, our own yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So were there guys touring that you were able to see at that time? Uh, not in New Zealand. Not at all, no, right? No one came. No one came from overseas there. I mean, and what was popular there com- comedically on TV and stuff? Who were the well, more- well, British, yeah, uh, British um, and American sitcoms, yeah. But yeah, mainly things like uh, Blackadder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you'll know that Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson stuff. He's funny man. Not the nine o'clock news. Yeah. Um, obviously, Monty Python was of huge. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but in terms of and, and in New Zealand, we had a couple of sort of. Uh, we had sort of all-around entertainers type guys, you sure, know, back sure. in those days. You're right, so song and the, dance man in the eighties. Yeah. So what they do, like uh, sketches and songs. Yeah, and- they would do. Yeah. So in particular, Billy T. James, who's mm-hmm. a Maori performer, uh-huh. and he is a very talented man, guitar singing, dancing. Uh, well, not much dancing actually, but had a lot of jokes, a lot of uh, right and, comedy. And you go see that as a kid, or no? I was too young. Uh-huh. Uh And but yeah, he was really. It was him, and then there was another chap called uh, John Clark, uh-huh. uh, and he he sort of he he's been a bit of an inspiration to me. He was doing this kind of which this show uh, short poppies uh-huh. play, plays quite a homage to is he would do the mockumentary style comedy um, back in the late mid to late seventies. Uh, where he would film like so he would film himself pieces. yeah as yeah. a character yeah uh, with a, with a journalist following yeah. him around as a farmer as yeah, the yeah. character was Fred Dagg yeah and he would uh, you know with a straight face tell him all, all of this absolutely ridiculous stuff that he's that's going on in his farm and yeah, you yeah. just have to watch and it was like but no one had seen this before right and we were everyone sort of watching and going what is this real what's going on here so it was, oh was that good yeah really good like and then we didn't have that again for a long long time and then of course after you know years later we got things like the office and all of rest of it sure um but he he was doing that sort of 1973 1974 and that was on uh the the local television that was on, on television yeah and you knew you knew it was a joke because you knew well because the stuff he was saying was ridiculous right and he's very very funny man but did it all straight faced and uh he became this iconic character this fred dag and then he moved to um australia uh-huh and then never, for the big time then yep and then he never, never returned did so he continue he just, doing the? Did he continue he, doing that kind of work? I think he, he sort of didn't do so much of that character, but he's still today in 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 Australia um, doing political satire and doing. Um, yeah, he isn't that wild. That yeah. you, like, do you have a relationship with him? No, I uh, nev- never met him. Does he know about your show? He does probably he know does. that that you, there is a tip of the hat to him? I think so, and I think I've sort of said this in a few press yeah. um, uh, media things that uh, and so hopefully he will like the show and know that yeah that he inspired me because just his just that work that I would have seen probably in the 80s and then I carried on with you know um, 
when I became a stand-up, really, really, I was inspired by the British, uh, like the the Pythons, more sketch stuff. And so I, I really wanted to um, be in a sketch troupe. Um, that didn't really happen. I was in a comedy duo for a while. Well, how would how'd that work? That went really well. That's with Grant Lobin. He's my old comedy pal. Was there like a standard kind of a straight guy, goofy guy setup? Yeah, yeah, it was. So you were of. the over-the-top guy? I was the over-the-top over the sort of uptight um, leader. Uh-huh. And he was the sort of uh, dopey kind of laid-back, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, laconic kind of um, guy who played the bass guitar and was just and just looked... Uh, looked um, valuable. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he was like sort of the deadpanny guy. Yeah. 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 Um, real oddball, uh-huh. and he still is, and he's in the show too. I got him in the TV show later on, so um, oh, put nice. him in there as to act, and he did a fantastic job. It's nice that you took care of your boys. Yeah, absolutely. But like when you started doing stand up in New Zealand. I got. I got to assume there, there wasn't a comedy club initially. No. Well, when I first started, uh, I guess during the uh, at university. Yeah. Um, then a comedy club opened up, and it was big news. And it's still to this day the only purpose. Well, it wasn't. It was actually a porn theater before it was a uh, it's good. comedy That's club. A but, natural evolution. Exactly. But I'm going to say purpose built comedy club. And, yeah. Uh, so there's only still only only one in Auckland. Where it's is in it? Auckland. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Classic. Uh huh. But these days, there's a lot of other venues that offer comedy on a weekly or monthly basis. You know, in in Wellington and Auckland. Um, now, what was the way into recognition? Did you? Did you do the festivals? Did you go like how did that work? So yeah. when you, when you first put together your act, you were, so you're in college, you're writing, yeah. you're in a sketch group, and then you put together a solo act. And the comedy I've seen you do, you know, it's it's long form, it's big, mm-hmm. it's physical, yeah. and you know, you which is like to me a, a rare gift to actually be be able to have confidence and innately be physically funny oh, wow. and keep pushing that. Yeah, you're not. You're, Look you're, at me now. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, still yeah, doing yeah. this. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this impression. I'm, I'm stuck in a current. Yeah. Oh, look at me. <laughs> but it's funny, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I like, I like, I mean, that's, that's what I'm into. I'm into physical comedy. I mean, we spoke about Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey also was an influence on me. But it's funny that the, the role in Flight of the Concords is not. Yeah, exactly. It's completely. The opposite. Yeah. And it was Very hilarious. Static. Yeah. But, and, you know, I, I think, I guess a guy whose who's natural tendencies is to be big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you got to tighten it up, all that energy is going somewhere. Yeah. So like so the intensity of it really really worked well was I guess, that the, I guess but was that the first time you ever like had to like basically shut it down yeah and it was so good for me because yeah. you know Jermaine you know he he trusted me he wanted me to be him and Brett uh, wanted me t- in this role and particularly it was Jermaine who kept would say to me now and again you know you've got to tone it down your eyes are getting big. Or whatever you know, because I do these big eye things, and uh, so and I'm back in those days. You know, I'm just like I, I was getting this amount of success, and I was thinking, oh wow, I'm, I'm really rocking it here. Yeah. But I still needed him to sort of tone me down, and then I guess the new the new skill that I developed through this, yeah, was the improvising. Was right. the you know being sitting behind this desk, having two guys in front of me, and then just. Just being more of a wordsmith than using the physicalities. You, you did a lot of improvising on that show. Yeah, during the band meetings. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Especially the second season, we were very confident. We, you know, we know each other so well, and we found that you know some gold would come out. Well, it's funny because we the, the, the sort of 
the tenor of that show, like in, in the interaction, because they're both kind of low key. Mm. They're, but they're both very, very different so. versions of it. Yeah. So there was never a, that. I think that gave that 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 a beautiful pace to the show that nobody was like. Bleh! Yeah, there was no one crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Mel, you know, a little bit the fan, but maybe yeah, yeah. Even, oh, yeah, she even, was, but yeah, she's, she's great. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So you. So what you do, Edinburgh, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. When so, how many years into comedy were you? Because I I noticed that like in. In that's in that in that uh, in that world, like when you do Edinburgh, you usually need a one-person show or to have the idea that there is mm-hmm. a through line or that it is a theater piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that takes a little of the onus off on on getting a laugh every five minute, every thirty seconds. It does, yeah. Because you can sort of spread it out. Is yeah. that the first time you put together an hour? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, when I initially went over there, I was in a uh, a group. And, yeah. Um, and we did we did a like you know, maybe a ten minute spot each. There was there was four of us New Zealanders. We were called New Zealand's Brat Pack. Uh-huh. Um, you we were young, young, hip, and hilarious. Did I you think, pull audiences? <laughs> oh, a little bit, yeah, because we walked around all day in suits and, Hard, and drank a lot <laughs> and uh, handing know, out flyers. Yeah, handing out flyers, yeah. just hanging out in bars, yeah, trying yeah. to look cool, yeah, yeah. trying to get girls involved. Uh-huh. And you know, we were young, we we're like in our twenties, and uh, we got a few people in. Um, but yeah, the following year I did my first solo show. But I'm still in, in those in those days thinking, you know, I've got to I've got to be funny 100 percent of the time. I can't let it up. Right. So I wasn't I wasn't doing the sort of the long form stories that I'm doing now. Right. But back in those days, it was it's to do with maturity and stuff. And I really felt like I had to get these guys laughing constantly. So right. I did a lot of physicality. Yeah. And stuff. And uh, so yeah, looking back on those early shows, you know, they're pretty sh- shambolic. But yeah. over the years, though, they got better. So I've done like eight Edinburghs now. Really? Yeah. And you still go. Well, I'm not going this year. The last one I did was 2012, and that was a really big show. And it, it uh, you know, it's it's a it's a big thing to be there for the whole three weeks. I took my family and the kids and everything, and uh, we did really well. Uh, so then I last year I, I took the whole year off. Really climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. What in in Africa? Really? Yeah, something different. Yeah. So I climbed a mountain and. Uh, <laughs> But that, okay, so well, this is before we get to Mount Kilimanjaro because mm-hmm. I'd like to know the personal journey you took there. Okay, um, like I, as an American, I understand that that a good chunk of uh, your yearly income, if you jump through the hurdles of Edinburgh yeah. and and build that audience, it's a nice, you know, it's a big piece of your yeah, it uh, is, and and so, but like for me, I'm like the thought of going back again is just horrifying. Mm. Like I can't imagine going back every year for three because, like, as an American, I think even as anybody, yeah, it's hit or miss. It is. You, you don't know if you're going to get that the Scotsman review, whatever. Yeah. The, is that what it is? The Scotsman. Oh yeah, the Scotsman. If, yeah, if you don't get, if you don't nail that, yeah, you you're fucked. Get, you're going to get four stars in there, or you at least. Otherwise, you're out. Yeah, nine, nine right. people for a yeah. month. Yeah, nine, ten people. It's brutal, and and that's that's the horrifying nature of it. As is the critics and the reviews, and yeah. they come out all the time. And I mean, I can go there and because I've got, you know, a bit of fame behind right. me, I will or I'll, I'll grab, I'll get a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if the reviews aren't good, they can still Hurt damage you. me a lot. And, 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 and as an artist, they, you know, they get to you because, you, you know, you try to you say to yourself, I'm never going to look at any reviews and you can, you can get away with doing that. But, you know, some, some Chinese whispers come through and you hear oh, that, you know, you got a bad one or something like that. and You can't help but look at it. You know, and so you just, oh, I'm not doing this anymore, you know. Yeah. But, uh, 
And if they're good, if they push your buttons, it's the worst. Yeah. Like if you can actually look at a review and go, that's bullshit. But usually if it's like, a, if it's a real astute, mean reviewer, yeah. Yeah. they'll hit you right where, where you live and you're like, oh, maybe I... I yeah, do that. exactly. And that yeah. sort of happened to me a little bit when I when I got the fame and then yeah. came back and did Edinburgh because I'd done Edinburgh many times to, you know, 10, 15 yeah. people. Right. And then I came back after the Concords, maybe season two or something. Yeah. And was playing to, you know, three, four hundred and going, oh, my God, woo, yeah. finally. Yeah. You know, and then, but then the reviews were like, ah, oh, this guy's not what, you know, not as good as you think he is, all this sort of stuff. So there's a couple of those. Yeah. Luckily, there were some good ones as well, but it made me wake up and go, okay, you know, if I'm going to do this again, I'm really going to make sure the show's really, really good. And so I did that. Did you write it all yourself? Or did yeah. You, yeah. Did all you myself. direct it? Or you had a director? And um, I've had a director a few times. I'm not sure if I did in the last. Two. So you go back with a vengeance. Your yeah. last one. The, la- the 2012 one was my big was my big success story. And you nailed it. All the reviews. Nailed it. Everything. Five yeah. stars. Like you know. And you're like, fuck it. I'm climbing a mountain. That's it for me. I'm out of here. So that's why I'm not going back this year. But uh, I am doing a UK tour. Yeah. Because um, I really believe this new show, which is called Mister Adventure. Uh, based on some of the adventures I've done over the years and uh, life in general being an adventure uh, is as good as the as the 2012 it, one. Is there is there an arc to it? Is there like a transformation? There, is it a theater piece? Well, yeah, or? what I do is, and this this is what I did for the This Way to Spaceship, which was the 2012 show, yeah. is I, uh, I have stand-up, but because I like doing theater, uh, I want to have a narrative in the show, so I, I sort of um, bookended the stand-up with uh, or, or hit it inside a um, theatrical narrative. Yeah. So there was moments in the show where I'm don't totally acting like it's a one-man play. And right, I, right. And then and then I'll do flashbacks to me doing stand-up, and then I'm doing stand-up for real. So I'm really sort of mixing it up, mixing uh-huh. theatre uh-huh. and stand-up uh, up. And so I've, I've done that again in this new show, and I just really enjoy that. Because, what are some of the great adventures? Uh, well, there's... Kilimanjaro, so you, you know. Oh, so that's in the new show. That's in the new show. I talk about that. Before then, I, I uh, went to Rwanda in 2009 and, and, and searched for the uh, mountain gorillas. That for was, a TV show? That was for a TV show, yeah. You can you, find that on YouTube. Did, is it a, oh, it was a travel show kind of thing? It was, a, yeah, it was called Intrepid Journeys, where they take well-known New Zealanders and they plop them into some place where they're not going to be comfortable. <laughs> Uh, and then I have to watch them, you know, as they struggle. Uh, but for and me, you got Rwanda. Yeah, I got Rwanda. Did you find the monkeys and the gorillas? Yeah, found them all. Yeah, and an amazing experience. Yeah, we trekked like for three hours through the volcanoes, national park, through all the, the the forest, and then found these gorillas, and then spent an hour with them and talking. Was, well, they weren't talking, but oh. they were grunting. And there was a, <laughs> you could get close to them. Oh yeah, we're like five feet away. Really? Yeah, that must have been mind blowing. It was. It was. Uh, and are they rare? Those particular. Oh yeah. Ones? There's less than 800 are left alive. And and uh, I gotta look them up. Do they look like regular gorillas? Yeah, they're they're bigger. They're mountain gorillas. Yeah. Um. So they're slight. They're slightly bigger. Uh-huh. And they, yeah. When the way they look at you. Yeah. And you look at them. You just into their eyes. Yeah. They, the the way they look at you, it just makes you think that they're thinking. Yeah. We know who you are. Yeah. We, you, we know about you. You humans. started here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's something like that. And also, you know, please, you know, but they let us in, and there's a communication thing going on between the the humans and the gorillas. Uh, it's all in my new show, but uh, where I learned basically how to communicate with gorillas. And, and how? I'll show you one thing. Okay, yeah, this yeah. is this is hello in okay. gorilla. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Really? Yeah. 
And you figured that out, or would you have a gorilla the translation? Guide, the guide told me, and he'd been working with them for thirty years. And he can, and when you do that, do they make the noise back? Yes. At you? That is crazy. And we went up there and we found the group that we were been searching for for three hours. And the, the gorilla came towards us and he's, and he's rumbling towards us. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm, a, I'm out of here. You yeah, know, I yeah. hid behind a tree. Yeah. But then uh, Francois, who was the guide, just stood there and uh, he knew the, he knew this gorilla. The gorilla came up to him and then he did the, they both went like that. And then and everything was cool? Yeah. And then basically that there's another communication they did after that. And it was about whether we could go in and, and, and watch their group. So this is this gorilla. So you can that, ask permission? Can yeah. Can come in? Exactly. Can we come in? Because it happens, you know, when we find them, they, they, they get contacted with, with a tourist group like three times a week. And so, uh, and then they, they're not always comfortable with people looking at them. They've got some family issues happening, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 arguments, yeah. whatever. I mean, they're so human. It's ridiculous. And so just to watch that exchange blew me away. And then we got, and then we we're allowed to come in. And then we went in and just, then we just spent an hour with them watching them. Yeah, this is my wife. This is my, yeah, here's my family. <laughs> and they're rolling about, sort of eating bamboo, giving their little kids horsey rides. Yeah, and it yeah. was just like, for me, it was like, wow. Yeah. It's astounding. That there's a a sense of uh, love and community. Yeah. And And play. You feel feel like they've got it right, though, because they're lounging about... And they're looking at us as to say, oh, man, you got you got <laughs> too you. much yeah. too much going on in your head and look what you've done with your species. You know, yeah, you, yeah. Just, just leave us yeah. the F just, alone. Just by, by virtue of the fact that you're wearing clothing. Yeah. You're just, you're hung up on things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look how tight those things, those skinny jeans, you got skinny jeans on there. Oh, you're a fool. Those legs are yours, must be feeling it. Oh, that's amazing. So, okay, so the Kilimanjaro thing, but was, was the Kilimanjaro thing a voluntary thing or another that, show? That was... That was for uh, World Vision. So I volunteered uh, to climb the mountain with it, some other well-known people. Are you one of those people that like that? These are things you would never have fucking done it, had you, you know, like if you hadn't Pro- pushed it. Possibly, the- yeah. And I, this is the best thing about being a comedian, and then with being a famous comedian, is that um, these opportunities come up. Uh-huh. And you know, I would always say to my kids, you know, if they wanted to go down this route. Um, to entertain, um, do it just simply because of the the opportunities that you get given, and you get to meet people, cultures all over the world, and you know go and search for gorillas and all this sort of weird stuff that's happened to me. Climb a mountain, uh, all all for good, all for good causes. Sure, and uh, because people you know want to see you do these things, and you know, and and as long as you're respectful, and you learn a lot about the, every area that you go into. Um, try and speak the language, you know, try and learn some of it. Um, you know, you, you come out as a better person. So so I say yes to them. And yeah. even though I've got two children, I mean, I draw the line if there's anything like, you know, a skydiving thing off. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, so it's yeah. all got to be pretty safe. Right. Well, and also the interesting thing about being a comic and being put in those positions is that, you know, as a comic, you... You know, you know you're going to be funny. You go in front of an audience. You got control. You do mm-hmm. your thing. But you know, when you're out there with with wild animals or yeah. or or you know precariously perched on a mountain, <laughs> yeah. you know your your first instinct, you know, the funny doesn't. It's not going to help no. you necessarily. <laughs> And no. like, there's a vulnerability to it. Yeah. That where you was there footage of you actually frightened and <laughs> yeah, there, there is and there's and for the mountain climb. Yeah. I mean, I was a little under the weather. I had a sore throat, and the higher up I got altitude wise. I struggled and struggled, and I to was to breathe even, yes, right? Yeah, really, really, and I was. It was touch and go as to whether they were going to send me down at one point, but they thought I might have had altitude sickness, which of course Ugh. you know can be a killer. You get throw up and everything. Yeah, right? you can die from it. You can, yeah. Really? If it's not, yeah. If they don't, if you don't 
see it mm-hmm. quick enough and send you back down. But, you know, these days when you do these climbs, you know, you have so many people looking at you. you and you got the oxygen tank, right? No? No, no, no. You don't need you don't need the oxygen tank for this climb. Is even. it the biggest peak or the second biggest? It's What's... one of the top nine. Yeah. So it's um it's certainly oh the, the biggest in Africa, that's for sure. But um, Oh, my God. So you went to the top? Got to the top and uh, just was a crying mess. Just, just, just literally just in tears because I could, I could, you know, f- was having trouble breathing. And uh, and then like, they just said, all right, you should go down now. Now. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some of the others sort of stayed up there and they sort of went round the round the edge of it, found an even higher point, you know. Yeah, but yeah. by that time, I was like, I had to go down. <laughs> and as soon as I started going down, I just felt better and better. Yeah, and yeah. It's amazing what oxygen does to us. And we just take it so much for granted. Yeah. But um, without Was the view it, up there pretty? Yeah, amazing. Spectacular. So we got up there at sunrise. So uh-huh. we left. The, la- the last six hours of the climb, because the whole thing took six days. Six days. Six days. And we were camped camping? along the way, yep. Real expedition, you know. And then and then the last six-hour climb was pretty much straight up this scree, zigzagging our way up. Uh, the hardest thing I've ever done. I I, had, I was moving at the pace of, a, of an old man sort of, you know, <laughs> stuck in a rest home trying to get to the toilets in the middle of the night, you know, with his walker. <laughs> ah, finally I can get there. You're right, Alfred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really awful. And, uh, you know. Um, Did you feel like a, a, a personal victory once you got to the top? <laughs> oh, I just hated every every step of it. And it was so cold. And I had, you know, three three pairs of gloves on and the jackets and so much clothing on. And, of course, that just makes it so much harder. And we had the walk, a walking stick thing. And I just yeah. couldn't. I had handed my walking stick away. So I'm not having that. That's another thing I have to hold. I can't <laughs> cope with any of it. So you were completely out of any comfort zone at no all? No comfort whatsoever. I just wanted it to end and uh, got up the top, you know, saw the sunrise, did a 360 view of Africa. Wow, this is amazing. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, you couldn't even enjoy it because it was, couldn't enjoy was not it. going to erase the misery. No, it was not, gonna, not, not enough to erase the misery. Not worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> do not do it, guys. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've got the stories. But the gorillas was good. Yeah, the gorillas was really good. But I'm not a mountain climber. But the worst thing is, you know, you climb one mountain, yeah, and then the phone rings. Hey, yeah, got another thing here for you. And so this year, I'm yeah. I've, I'm scheduled to do uh, Everest. Yeah, are you really base camp? Come on, oh. Was so that? that's that's not the whole the way. It's the base camp, but it's just, still high. I just learned that there's people up on Everest just frozen there that they don't. Oh yeah, yeah. That fucking trip me that's out. That's weird, eh? That they just leave them up there. Yeah. Why do they leave them? Because you can't too much to bring them back. And uh, that is so bizarre. Like I saw pictures or something of oh, just really? the, like there's oh, these man. that there are known spots along the way where they're just frozen. Folks. There's a guy. There's yeah. a guy. Right. Keep walking. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. don't poke him. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. That won't be you. Yeah, hopefully. Well, well hopefully. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm doing no interest in going. Like, I'm going to base camp, and then we're doing this time. Uh, there's like six of us comics going. Some British guys, Canadians. Who? Um, not sure. I can't remember the names. Yeah. But uh, Glenn Wool. Oh, Glenn's going. You know, Glenn. Yeah. He yeah. better. He better. You know, clean up for a few weeks. Yeah, I think he's in some training now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I must email him actually. <laughs> he's a good buddy of mine. So um, yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to him coming along. Oh yeah, make sure he's. Uh... Craig Campbell, I think, is going. It's another Canadian Make comment. Make sure Will is fit to yeah. handle it. Yeah. I think it's like a nine-day trek, this one. Oh, and, boy. And uh, it might be... The, the trek itself might be harder. Are but, you going to bring beer? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, some, yeah, <laughs> few, a few doobies. <laughs> and uh, once we get to base camp, we're, we're all putting on a show. So this is a different deal, this one. That we're actually... We're doing, we're doing stand-up. 
A show with, with no oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, they used to do that. Did you ever do the Aspen Comedy Festival ever? Uh, I heard about it. Yeah, that was like that. You, oh, really? You, yeah, because yeah, it's about a mile high. It's not wow. crazy, but you could definitely feel it, and your brain doesn't fire quite right. Oh, so you're kind of slurring words, and you know, things aren't- you're That's like, interesting. Why can I- do people <laughs> laugh more because of the-, hit, the- no, I don't. Well, I just less. found it all to be, you know, the, the mild altitude sickness. Because altitude sickness, it kind of, kind of fucks you up, it fucks mm. your stomach up, and you don't really, and it fucks your brain up a little bit. Yeah. It, but you do adjust to it. But you know, usually the the festival was like two or three days, so you never really got to adjust to it, and you just kind of you're fighting this weird thing in your mind like you, you kind of skid on words or things would fall out and yeah maybe it was just me but wow. i don't think that the audiences were better no no okay no. interesting <laughs> i mean I, yeah it's I, a, you're not laughing more when you're trying to breathe yeah yeah well the thing is we're, we're, we're trying to get 50 fans to go with us mm-hmm. so you can sign up on this thing it's called stand up on everest and there's a website how's that going Did you get get rid of all those I'm, tickets i'm not sure well, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we've sold too many actually so if you are keen to come up everest with a whole bunch of comics and have a few beers <laughs> sign up man it's gonna be the adventure of a lifetime so you're like after the you know getting known as a stand-up the, the biggest break was the concords yeah sure yeah and how many seasons did you guys do three or four no two just two just two and that was it you know why'd they do that why didn't they let you do more well no they did but uh the guys only wanted to do two you did know the stories were told well yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew from the beginning because they were doing two songs an episode that yeah. they're going to run out of songs. Yeah. And then, the, you know, writing more songs and keeping the songs as good as what they have to be because they, they, they live or die on their songs and their songs are so fantastic. Yeah. So they wanted to make sure that. that, yeah, that like, let's let, end on a high. Let's not do a, a third or fourth season where we're going, oh, these, well, these songs aren't very good. What are we doing here? Right. So, uh, you know, I respect that they wanted to get in, do a really good job and get out. And then they can, you know, they tour off the back of it and everything. And, you know, it's, it's become a bit of a phenomenon. I think it's like a, it's more of a UK thing or just a, you know, any other industry, mm. show business industry than, than America. Yeah. Doesn't set to, this premium to, on yeah, making a exactly. hundred. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter what the stories are. People like you. It's a business. Yeah. 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 You've yeah. got, it's like, you're like, we're like a factory. We're yeah. churning out, churning. Yeah. But people haven't tuned in for the last three seasons. It doesn't matter. Haven't it's, they? Yeah. Well, that's all the better. We can repeat yeah. the we'll stories. Re- we repeat the stories. Yeah, yeah. Just earn your cash. You want that Ferrari? Yeah. So yeah, it's a very different mindset. And we, you know, we came. From, the British do only do two yeah. seasons of stuff. You know, and they're only like six episodes. Exactly. Six. Look at Faulty Towers. It was like twelve eps. You and that's know, it. And people say it's the greatest sitcom, greatest on on the planet. And so I guess sometimes it's better. Like I just did a second season of my show, so that's going to be twenty three total. I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, what happens now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can keep servicing it. Yeah. But to, to what end? I guess sometimes is the question. Yeah. Money. I think. Yeah. But creatively. Yeah, you, you've got to think. Okay, where's this? Is am I jo- Can we do doing? It? Where's it going? Yeah, and uh, when there is a lot of shows in uh, here in America that that have gone many many seasons, but you know, and and have kept us that long because they've gone on these great journeys. And also, and, people like the people. Yeah, you know, like you yeah. know, after a certain point, you it's hang like out they don't them. care what the story is. Yeah, they're telling jokes and exactly. they're doing. A, they're being those people we like. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm listening, watching my guys. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah, which my is buddies. Which is true. So this, you only did um, what ten episodes of Short Poppies. Uh, I made eight. Eight? Yeah. And do you feel like you're done? Uh, well, I thought I would be when I finished because, you know, there's, I did, uh, there's a different character every week I had to portray. And you play both parts? You're the no, interviewer? I, no, I'm not the interviewer. That's okay. A, that's a real journalist. He's a friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. David Ferrier. Yeah. And uh, he's great because, you know, I said to him, look, you know, a lot of this is going to be improv and you're just going to have, you know, have 
hold a straight face. Just do face. what you do. Yeah, do what you do. And he's used to me goofing yeah. around. So right. He's nice. He, he, he did a great job of, of holding back the laughter and uh, and acting because he hadn't done that before, but he's having to sort of act as well as just be a journalist. But And, and you had to choose, like, these are... You know, characters that would be familiar to you in your life. It is a New Zealand-based thing in a way, right? Well, you know, I've lived outside of New Zealand for a long time, yeah. and it's you get a better head when you look back at your home, at the sort of people that you would hang out with or that you ran into many times. And it wouldn't necessarily just be New Zealanders; it'd be other people from other countries I'd been to that would fit into their mold of these type of characters. But I just obviously made them all Kiwis, made them all from one small town in a, a little village within a village of, of a country, knowing that the the world seems to have this kind of uh, interest in, in, in not only New Zealand humour, but in our in our people and, and the novelty that we are. And like we're, like you were saying at right. the beginning of this, you yeah. know, is, you've heard of this magical place and uh, <laughs> how, how real is it? So I wanted to, we offered, that's one of the great things about the, the Concords show on HBO was that yeah people didn't know anything about New Zealanders and all of a sudden they're sort of faced with these with Murray and these two guys and they, and 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 it made everyone smile and laugh it was yeah. optimistic you know there was nothing negative about the comedy we were portraying there it was it was uh, endearing and we were taking the mickey out of our own nation and uh that that was fine for everyone and so I've kind of done that again um, but broadened the world out further and, and shown many other characters uh, and they end up linking together and and I, I think it really shows because of course Concords was set in New York yeah this is New Zealand yeah. so we you look and you see you know the, the beautiful place everyone keeps talking about and the beaches and the little towns and you see you get a, a much more of an idea of what our home really looks like so I'm really interested to see what people think. And also I think that when you deal with regional characters, there, there's an intimacy to it. Yeah. You, you know, like it's unique, mm-hmm. but there, there's sort of an integrity to, like America is this huge weird thing. And, you know, New York on TV is New York on TV. But but when you really have a backdrop of a unique sort of yeah. a smaller you know community, there, there's a depth to it that you, you don't necessarily see in Friends or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great, man. So you feel like you could do more? Yeah, I think so. Because I've since come up with uh, four new characters. And because I swore that, you know, I came up with, had like seven there, eight total, because of the last episode, there's a, the um, head of the New Zealand television department that comes in, and I, so I portray <laughs> him as well. So all up, there's eight people I portrayed. Yeah. And then, but then, like, within months of doing the show, getting it, you know, finished and everything, I started to come up with, no, oh, there's another guy I could come up with. And I started writing down ideas for them. And so, you know, I can definitely do, or what I would do if I did another season, what I would take maybe my four favorites yeah. from this one and then and then extend their lives and then add a few more. Different situations. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And you like doing all the different characters? I do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, because that's something like, I, I notice that more... Uh, with some British shows and, and like I, you don't see it a lot where where Over a guy, here. yeah, yeah, where the, you're just gonna do all of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's great get your acting chops going and you know work. I, I wish I could do characters. Oh, I can't. Like I don't. I think I can, but only for a minute or two. Right, and yeah. then I panic. I'm like, I'm still me, right? Um, who? Uh, yeah, is it? <laughs> have I slipped out of it? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. You got to commit, and I really committed. As soon as I get the costume on, I become that person all day. And uh, people know me as that person, and then I'll, as soon as I take the, the the gear off, it's it's me again. That's fucking hilarious. So I know you got kids. I know you lived out here. I I didn't realize you lived down the street from me. What were you doing at that time? 
yeah we were kind of we got the green cards last year the whole oh, okay. family and i so we so we've made the move and for the initial uh oh you're here permanently now yeah we're based here now in, in la and yeah wow. in studio city oh i didn't know that so i mean we skipped back to new zealand a lot with with work bits and pieces but our base yeah we're based here now um you got family back in new zealand still right of course yeah, yeah, yeah. we're both my wife and i both have our you know aging parents that we've got to keep going and back and because now uh, they got grandkids and you owe it to them yeah the grandkids yeah, so yeah. yeah so we will keep returning and and you know i'm not i'm, I'm definitely say yes to projects that i'm interested in that it might be there yeah. or in australia things yeah. like that you know whatever the whatever the idea is but i think la is a great base sure for show business yeah of course it's the best yeah so and, um and th- this show is a netflix deal so yeah. it's going to be kind of evergreen always available yeah you know once it once it's up it's up that's yep. a beautiful thing oh, you can watch it anytime yeah there it is yeah it's on the gallery yeah you can check it out yeah so I, so I love it it's the and future have you got uh you got movies coming up or what are you doing uh i'm in talks with some independent type films oh yeah yeah but nothing nothing big studio based yet no and we'll t- see what happens and you, are you in touch with the concords guys yeah constantly are they here uh they come and go a lot Mostly. they're based in wellington and new zealand though they really? live. They live back there. Yeah, I mean Brett. Um, he's just finished doing the the Muppets too. He does the music. Oh wow, so he's, that's big. Yeah, so he's uh, involved in that. And then Jermaine um, pops up as evil, bad, funny guys in movies. Uh, so he's back and forth quite a bit. <laughs> I think he's in Rio Rio Two as the uh, evil cockatiel or something. <laughs> And, and what, did you use any other... Uh... He he directed a couple of the short Poppies episodes. Oh, did he? Jermaine, that was his first directing I, um, I love that there's this uh, there's this New Zealand contingent. Yeah. And that you're kind of like, you, you, whoever gets some success kind of pulls them in. Yeah, pull the other guy in. Hey, can I have yeah, a go yeah, at that? Yeah, yep, yeah. you come through, you do the music, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you bring the drinks, yeah. and then uh, can I act on I it? love that. I like when people like take care of their pals. And that you brought that guy from college in. Are there other other stand ups that no one would know except for New Zealand people in the in, in any of the stuff? Um yeah, there's there's a few other comics in, in there. We we used we used um predominantly used comedians that could act and could improvise in the yeah. show. So my wife who uh she, uh, Rosie, she um, cast it, so uh-huh. she handpicked people. We didn't do any auditions, uh-huh. and we also got some some big names in there. We got Stephen Merchant, um, Sam Neil. Oh, Sam yeah, Neil, how, how did he come up? Well, he's a New Zealander, oh. and uh, we just put an email out, and he went, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> Uh, he's obviously a fan of my comedy. Yeah. Um, Carl Urban, yeah. who you know is uh, Dread, and he's in um, Star Trek. He he's in there. If if Carl Urban fans would be surprised at the role he took in my comedy series because they're used to seeing him as this action kind of guy. Right. He took the complete opposite. I won't let let on. What How he, was he? Great. Amazing. Oh, that's great. He's a great actor. Um. So yeah. And do you want to direct movies? Have you got that bug? Yet? I want to. No, I don't want. I want to uh, write one first. Yeah. Yeah. I'd definitely like to um to get one. Well, I'm glad things are going I so well one. for you, man. Hey, man. It's been a pleasure. Good talking to you. Yeah. You too. That's it. That's our show. I, I like that guy. That turned out to be a great conversation. I like learning about new countries and comedy scenes elsewhere. Uh, as per normal, go to WTFPod.com for all you WTF pod needs. Check my calendar. Get some just coffee.coop. Uh, if you get the WTF blend, I get a little bit on the back end there. Good coffee. I'm drinking it now. Am I drinking it now? Sure. Pow, look out. 
I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop. Available at WTFPod.com. Get the app. Get the free WTF app. Upgrade to the uh, premium app, and you can stream all almost 500 episodes. Who's going to be on the 500th episode? I don't fucking know. I don't feel... I'll let you know what's going on with my hands and feet. Like, that should be an, an interesting ongoing narrative. God, I hope it's nothing serious. to go to the bathroom like now boomer lives <laughs> <laughs>